Week two of the NFL is in the books, and we are here to talk about week three. Who are we? We are the Left Coasters, and this is the Left Coasters podcast. I'm Matt D'Angelo Antonio. With me, Tony Cavallo and Brian Balzarini, and uh, we are the Left Coasters. We are three Los Angeles transplants. Uh, we are recording uh, from the beautiful neighborhood of Los Feliz, and we are trying to become Rams fans, basically. We got gifted an NFL team this offseason, which is not something that you can really say about most places that you move but we were fortunate enough to get that that NFL team and so we're trying to learn to become fans I grew up in New England I'm a Patriots fan Tony here also grew up in New England and somehow ended up a Packers fan and uh Brian Balzarini a Detroit native and uh grew uh, grew up in Detroit I, I'm you grew up in Detroit right just, Is a, little that, just outside, a little bit outside yeah. a long suffering but diehard nonetheless Lions fan and uh and so we're having a good time with this I think it's been fun thank you guys for all of you who've tuned in to listen um if you want to get in touch with us we are the Left Coasters Podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram uh, at the Left Coasters Podcast. Uh, so, more fans is always good for that. We like getting more fans. You can see Rams quotes, stuff like that on our Instagram page. And please, and, uh, anything you want us to talk about, especially on the Rams, send those emails along and we'll, uh, we'll dive right into those. We're ready to talk everything about the Rams and hit this NFL season hard as the Rams did this week. They did with their first win, their first Woo-hoo. win in Los Angeles in 20 plus years. And uh, despite, uh, and we We'll get into this a little bit later. What I hear was an awful fan experience. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, we need to talk a about A 9-3 to three victory, uh, a defensive battle, definitely. An MLB score. And, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, an MLB score, for sure. And Yeah, week two was an interesting week. I mean, week one of the NFL season is always the overreaction week. Teams look better than they, uh, they really come out to be. But week two kind of opened up a lot more doors for a lot of teams that we thought were somebodies that might turn out to be nobodies. And a lot of teams that really suffered in week one but came back in week two with a vengeance. Uh, we do have, as we stand, eight two and O teams in the NFL, and uh, that's that's pretty much par for the course. What I wanted to attack right now with these two and O teams, they've all won their games in different ways. I'm ready to uh, do a little marry fuck kill with these undefeated teams and see where you guys stand. Dangles, I'll go to you first, buddy. All these teams are two and O. Give me a marry fuck kill of the New England Patriots, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Houston Texans, and the Denver Broncos. Oh man. AFC 2-0. That's tough. Can you repeat the question? Uh, We have the New England Patriots, Pittsburgh Steelers, Houston Texans, Denver Broncos. All won those games in very different ways. Which ones are you marry, fuck, killing? This is for the season. For the entire season, too. Um, Which team's for real? That's tough. Which team is for real? You know... It would be easy for me to just say New England, of course, because they're the easy they're the easy guess, right? I mean, you know, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo going down with an injury this week was not good, and I got a little bit scared when I saw that. I'll, I'll be honest, but look, two more games with Jacoby Brissett. I'm not concerned necessarily about the Patriots, so I think I'm going to leave this out. I uh, leave them out of this one. I'm going to marry okay. the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, um, nice because election. of Ben Roethlisberger, I think, and, and I mean, and Antonio Brown, of course. I mean, but Big Ben is looking phenomenal. Big Ben is just so good. I, I just and I was having a conversation with somebody as I was watching the games on Sunday about just how 
he's just in in like he he's indestructible in the pocket. You can throw whatever you want at him, two or three guys, and he just rolls off of it somehow. And not only that, but on the run manages to make pristine throws down the it's field, down and for 50, 60 yards. It's just I don't know I, as a defensive lineman how you game plan for someone who's that big and that strong. I don't I don't think there's anyone better in the NFL at creating something out of nothing than Big Ben, and he has been this way for five five seven years behind that offense it's always been people bouncing off of him dangles you have uh uh houston so, and denver left who are you fucking? houston and houston and denver uh i'm i'm going to uh I, i'm gonna fuck the denver broncos i think in this case uh and and i i like the way and we were talking about this a little bit beforehand i like the way trevor simeon's been playing you can't argue with the defense despite the fact that demarcus ware is hurt um, they I had don't a, think that matters. I don't, I, I, they've been shuffling people in and out of that. DeMarcus plays 50% of the snaps at best. And I think with Trevor playing the way Trevor's playing, I mean, talk about Peyton Manning-esque, just getting the ball where it needs to be, playing within the game scheme, and not doing more than you have to. And they talk about game manager when they label a quarterback as a bad thing. Game manager is not a bad thing. When you game manage correctly and you make your team available to win the game, let the other parts of your team that are better than your offense win the game for you, that's a, that's a quality you need to have in the NFL. Brady, early Brady yeah, made absolutely. it. Absolutely, Brady. All the way. Brady, you can't, there's no better example of a game manager who has won Super Bowls and has played consistently. He does what he does in the in, within his skill set better than anybody. He's a high margin player. So Trevor Simeon can 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 continue what he's doing, and they're just going to be. And great. he was thrown into a similar situation, I think Trevor Trevor Simeon, that Tom Brady was when he had ended up getting tossed into it. In, well, I mean, granted, Trevor Simeon got the ability to work with the team during the off season and learn the playbook. Not that Tom Brady didn't know the playbook when he came in, but who knows? I mean, he he was replacing a well liked and a very good at the time and quarterback. He was a one year quarterback, correct? He, like he had already played for one year, or he, he had, had been a rookie under under Bledsoe. So, so he had he'd had some time to get to know things, but he was thrown into a very uncertain situation and nobody knew who Tom Brady was he was a sixth round draft pick and he comes in and now here we are in 2016 and everybody in New England is just waiting for his return so I'm gonna I'm gonna marry the Denver I'm sorry fuck the Denver Broncos which leaves the Houston Texans uh, as my kill which I know is surprising um, because other three teams like it's and that's what's that was that's what's really hard um, and the Texans, I mean, they look, they had a they had a good week against the Chiefs. I'm feeling kind of stupid now about all the, the good stuff I talked about the Chiefs because they've just been awful. They've just been really terrible. There's a couple teams Alex, for each one of us who are like Alex that, Smith just just does not look like he's got his his act together at all uh, in the pocket. He had 20 of 37 for 186 yards against, I mean, against, granted, a, a Texans defense that's much more known for their front seven than their secondary, even with the absence of Brian Cushing and his injury. Um, but I, I just, I don't know. There's, there's nothing, there's not enough in Houston right now. I love Bill O'Brien. He's a Belichick disciple, and I think he could probably do a ton with the team. But I just don't know if he's got the tools there, outside, you know, all of the tools that are necessary. You can do some with DeAndre Hopkins, but their running game is not necessary is is not I, I i i and i mean we're, we're taking this with a grain of salt because these teams have not lost yet so it's hard to say we're going to kill a certain team that has just done what they're supposed to do and that's win football games and i don't think anybody would be advocating that that defense isn't 
championship caliber. No. With no. with Jadavian Clowney, JJ Watt, Merciless, you know, an injured Brian Cushing, but nonetheless an efficient defense who just makes great makes defense. makes turnovers. Well and the other, you know, greatest all you have to take that with with is they're in the AFC South. Oh, and that boy. division right now, I mean it doesn't I don't I'm not seeing any other teams Fresh that are for playing yeah up at the level that the Texans are. So, Brian, let's kick it over to you. The four other teams that are currently 2-0 in the NFL, I'm going to give you a marry-fuck-kill between the Baltimore Ravens, the New York football Giants, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, man, you gave me the worst ones. That's it. There's two Say different one more time here. We have Baltimore Ravens, New York Giants, Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles, all 2-0, marry-fuck-kill. I'm marrying the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I think that's an easy one. I, I know Adrian Peterson's hurt, but I love what Sam Bradford's doing. I know in the first episode we talked about what kind of impact Sam Bradford was going to have. How was he going to be able to fill into this team right away? He looked awesome. He really did against my team. He, what was he, 22 for 31, one touchdown, no turnovers. You know, that's that's how you win games. With and, the defense. And he had the two ability. Touchdowns, two, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns, excuse me. And no he had the ability with Stefan Diggs on the outside to be able to stretch the field because Minnesota had a lot of trouble in that Tennessee game when they stacked nine people in the box and said, we're not we're not letting Adrian do anything. Sam gives them the, uh, the, the, the ability to take the top off the defense, which forces the safeties to play where they're supposed to play and gives Adrian or whoever's running the ball that room to create space. And he looks like the guy that was drafted number one overall. I mean, he... He did in that game. He looked like he was supposed to be there. And is that's that, not common of a guy who just ju- jumped in the locker room. I think this is... this To me, this is a, a perfect scenario for a 30 for 30. <laughs> is that you the know? first time... Do you think that's the first time in, in his career? Because I, I actually actually think I do. think it's the first time in, in his career that I can say he's looked like the number one without, dra- without the draft pick that, that he doubt. was supposed to be. I cannot think of another instance when he was in, when he was in St. Louis... When he was in, uh, when he was in Philadelphia, I there was not one point at which I said this is the guy who was a monster at Oklahoma. Oh, this is killing me. Can we move on? Who are you fucking? I'm going to fuck the New York Giants. Oh my god. I and I don't again. I, I don't, like that, it. That's a pity fuck. That's a pure pity fuck. Because here's why. It's a process of elimination for me. You look at the New York uh, Giants compared to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles are a fine team. A wonderful team exceeding expectations right now but who have they beaten cleveland Cleveland. and chicago yeah so as much as i love carson wentz ginger power like i (laughs) i still to this day think he should have been the Rams selection he's proving me right okay so i'll leave that at that but we're fucking new york yeah but would carson wentz be would carson wentz be starting in uh los angeles under uh, on on a jeff fisher team would be over case keenum I don't think so. I have no idea. I honestly don't know. But, but they gave him the reins in Philly, and he's proven that he belongs in the league. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, so it's not Philly. Now, the Ravens, I, I, I don't like the nobody Ravens. Nobody wants the Ravens. Everyone is just there so nobody and wants to dive because into they them. Play, because they play two good teams in Cincinnati and the Steelers. They, they're not going to win their they're not taking two games from either one of those teams. And they almost lost to the Cleveland Browns. So no thank you, Baltimore. I'll see you later. So you're going to fuck New York. And is anything New York that stands out to you other than that well, better than Philly? Well, again, I, 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 it's hard to say that there's anything stellar about that team. You know, they're beating a bad New Orleans team. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say a bad New Orleans team. I'd oh, say, dude, the worst. I'd say bottom six. Okay, bottom uh, six. I team. think I think New Orleans is a little bit better. And uh, uh, the game against Dallas, I think Dallas is a legitimate team this year. They might not be the the odds-on favorite to win that division now, but that was a good win for New York. I think that was a solid another, win. Another good game from Dak Prescott. Another yeah. another game where he looked like a field general, where he looked like he's done this before. And I'm, as much as I despise the Giants, and I really do, and I want them to be 0-16 with every inch of being that I have, but they won the games the way they're supposed to. They've eked them out. They've beaten the teams in the close game margin, which they couldn't do last year, which held them that awful record. Like, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So you're fucking them, and yeah. then killing between Baltimore and Philly. Which one are you leaving off? It's going to have to be Philly, unfortunately. I don't have faith in their ability to go through their schedule and come out better than the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. So. All right, I got that. I mean, I do like Baltimore. They have beaten nobody. Philly's beaten nobody. But, hey, 2-0, you can't scratch at that. I wish Green Bay was 2-0. I think Philly has the easier route to more wins because of the division that they're, yep. that they're in. I think that the, the AFC North is one of the toughest divisions in football. I agree and, with you. you know, with the exception of the Browns. But just the fact that the Bengals and the Steelers are so good, I think, makes up for a lot of that. And the fact you have to play them twice a year each is, But keep in mind, you know, Carson Wentz is still a rookie. Carson I, Wentz is still a rookie. Without without the tools around him to but, do what? Man, he fucking took it on the chin last night. They his offensive line did not give That's him a lot of help, thing. and he he took it like a man. He stood oh, in the he's pocket. A great quarterback. He took the hits and he got the ball. He got the ball away. He found you know he he was able to find Jordan Matthews. He threw a bunch to Nelson Algalore, and Algalore didn't pull a couple of balls in that I thought he should have last night, but. He, he 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 stood in there and made throws that you see a guy who's been in the league for five years and working with the same playbook for five years makes. The thing, the thing that Carson <laughs> needs to change for me is he's playing great every facet of the game. He needs to protect himself more, and that comes oh, with experience because he's 20, 21 years old right now. He's going to pop up from those hits, but... He he took a hit from Danny Trevathan that he had no business doing. He like he he spun back inbounds when he could have just walked out of bounds. Got popped by somebody's got to remind him this isn't Division One. No, you got to like you got to go out of bounds. These people dude. aren't bigger than you. They are huge men that are coming at a hundred miles an hour, ready to take your head off. All right, on to the uh, teams that aren't two and zero. Which team that you thought was a playoff contender is in the most trouble right now? I'll Brian? step up. I I. I've been very disappointed with what the Seattle Seahawks have been doing. Because when you think about what Seattle was poised to do this year, a lot of people had them as their best team in the NFL. We talked about them almost as a shoe-in and competing with the Arizona Cardinals. I think what you've seen is a poor, shoddy, at-home performance against Miami. And now a loss to what was arguably the worst team in the NFL, in the LA Rams, in their new home. So I, I... I didn't see a lot out of Russell Wilson. I didn't see a lot of that offense, and that defense looked like they weren't getting the turnovers like they've always had. No, exactly. And, and, and so you can mark it off as maybe an off game, but at the end of the day, we've got two games now. The third game is going to be, we're going to have a full sample size, yeah, and gonna, Russell Wilson's got to do more. I, I I don't know if I place it all on Russell Wilson, but I do place it on that offensive line. they got to score. Russell, has, Nine not to had, three? Russell has not had time to throw the ball, and that ankle injury kept him in the pocket and really weakened that defense, but also... They haven't been able to run the ball. No running game. No they running game. Been, I mean, Christian Michael made some plays once Rawls went out because he has great elusiveness. But as for holes in that offensive line, that, that team is made and to we ground and pound, and, and they can't do it. And we talked about that early in the season. Was, was The question for the Seattle Seahawks was, 
are they going to be able to run the ball without Marshawn Lynch? And right now, the answer so is far, no. So far, the answer has been no. Dangles, any uh, team that you are worrying about? What team's in trouble? Yeah, you know, I just mentioned it. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, are a team that's in trouble, despite the fact that they're 1-1. One and one. Um, I just It's been the Cairo Santos show in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium, and that's not why the fans come there and make that pace, place literally shake. They expect more out of the team. I think they expect more out of Alex Smith, the guy who's been around for a long time. He should be at at, at the very high level of comfortability in that offense, and he looks uncomfortable. This past week against uh, against Houston, Alex Smith threw threw for 186 yards. He went 20 of 37. Sure, Kendrick Russ ran for 61 yards. Their leading receiver was Jeremy Macklin. He caught six balls for 68 yards, averaging 10 yards a catch. It's not going to ha- win you football games. And putting it all on your kicker at the end of the day. It's not good. And you can't even blame this on the Andy Reid School of Clock Management, which is the worst school of clock management in the history of ever. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily... I mean, Andy Reid's got to do something in, in Kansas City. That's all I'll say because they look their offense looks anemic. They're giving up points they shouldn't. They barely eked out a win against San Diego in Week 1. Yeah, they, they should be concerned, especially in a division where Denver is Denver. And if the Oakland Raiders get their heads screwed on straight, they could very easily snatch up a wild card. They could. And uh, I, I did not see Kansas City being the terror that everyone thought they were going to be in the beginning of the year, but they have not looked good. They've looked worse than I thought they would. But as for the team that I think is in trouble, it's my team, the Green Bay Packers. I was thinking about them as as, as a, yeah. Guys, this this is the thing. I I was so high on the Packers this year, genuinely. I'm not just, you know, trying to root for my team. I was genuinely high on this Packers team this year, but the past two weeks, especially the Minnesota game, the same problems that happened in 2015 are rearing their head now. That offense cannot sit there and make plays. We can't run the ball, and we cannot pass the ball, and Aaron, this is this falls on two people, Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy, this is from Rob Domofsky. You, yeah, but you've been calling for his head I, for years. I, I really though. don't like Mike McCarthy. But as the play caller, this comes from Rob Domofsky uh, on uh, ESPN. He's the Packers beat writer for them. They've used the same three receiver set. It's a it's called the eleven uh, package with one running back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. They've used that for 69.9% of their offensive snaps. 70% of the time, they're throwing the same people out there, and that makes you so easy to defend. And if I see one more first and 10 play-action pass that doesn't go anywhere, I will throw my remote through the TV screen. We have Eddie Lacy on the team, and Eddie Lacy, whether you like him or not, he's the best running back on that team. Get those three yards on first down, it makes it easier. What happened to the slant routes that old Brett Favre and early Aaron Rodgers were a staple of that offense? What happened to the ingenuity of throwing out a wishbone out there where you have two fullbacks and a running back out there just to give the defense something different to look at. Mike McCarthy calling these same plays over again have, have has led to no offensive progress. The same problems that have happened last year when we all blamed it on Jordy Nelson not being there. Jordy Nelson's not the answer. The actual deception on the offense is the answer. Watch how Bill Belichick calls the plays for Jimmy Garoppolo, a new quarterback. There's no simplicity there. He's still calling multiple packages, multiple looks, everything down there. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league. He can handle handle the 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 different things going on in the offense adjusting to the defense rather than throwing the same shit out there and hoping it works second point 
Aaron Rodgers needs to finally, for the first time in his life, sit down and study tape. Because Aaron Rodgers has made it this far with God-given natural abilities, the most naturally gifted uh, NFL quarterback in the game. He needs to break down tape on Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in their elder years because those guys would move an inch in the pocket and gain a mile. Aaron Rodgers is holding on the ball for too long because his wide receivers aren't open and getting himself caught in sacks. There was a strip sack by Brian Rabisky on Minnesota, and that was Aaron Rodgers' fault completely. He stayed in the same position in the pocket while it was crushing around him and allowed the defensive end to get in there. If he took a step forward in the pocket, he would have another seven seconds to wait for Jeff Janis to get open Brady's on the outside. Brady's a master of doing that. He steps up once, and suddenly he's got days to throw the ball. I finally have a defense in Green Bay that can stop the run. They're the best team, in, they're the best defense in the league right now at stopping the run, facing two good rushing offenses. God damn it if I'm not angry at my offense for not being able to beat this crappy Minnesota team. Honestly, I don't think Minnesota's that good. That defense is stellar, but we should have won that game. And it comes down to Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, and I am not excited. To watch the rest of this season if it leads to a, a wild card team and an early playoff exit in a game that we should win because we're calling stupid plays and Aaron is not making smart decisions in the pocket. So Green Bay is my team to worry about and rant now. Fantastic. That was great. I don't know Fantastic. how to I don't know how to last thing to talk about on this recap. It's really fast and too soon to say this, but quickly guys, which coach is getting fired first? Because there's a couple out there that are looking on very hot seats right now. Chuck Pagano, gone. And I say that because you have Andrew Luck. You should be winning games, period. Lions, love them, but you win with Andrew Luck. Yeah. And you, I, you win with Andrew Luck, and they haven't been doing it, and they have looked atrocious. They've looked ter- terrible. I, Absolutely I terrible. They've let up the most points in the NFL. I, and, I, and I think their offensive line is garbage. And obviously they have an issue with the, the head coach and the front office right now. So That's the thing. I think you need to get rid of both of them because that GM has done nothing to help Andrew Luck or that defense. Dangles, which coach is on the hot seat, buddy? Rex Ryan of the Buffalo Bills. They start out, they're, they're starting out 0-2 here. They axed their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, what, two weeks into the season? That's a bad sign. That means there's discord in the locker room. That means people don't necessarily want to play. Things aren't going well in the Bills locker room in Orchard Park right now. And Rex Ryan, if I remember correctly, I'm fairly certain he said, if they don't win, I'll be the first one to go. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, is that not true? Uh, no, it's, it's true that he said that, but he fired the wrong guy then. Oh, oh I, see, I see what you mean. I see what me so that that particular part of it is not true but this this spells to me this spells an 0 and 4 0 and 5 start and I don't think that I don't I don't think that Rex Ryan's going to survive this season if he survives the whole thing. Uh, last I checked on the Bills, the offensive coordinator wasn't the problem. His no, brother, the defensive coordinator, all. was the yeah, reason that team. We all know fired. why he's not going to fire Rob. Listen, Come on now. I fully agree with you on Rex. I think Rex and uh, uh, Rob Ryan are going to have a great TV show next year. Um, but as for the coaches on the hot seat for me, it's Gus Bradley in Jacksonville. His winning percentage is the worst of any coach except for one in the tenure that he's been there. And if it, it's, it's trouble for him because they came in with actual expectations this year and they're clearly not hitting him. I was just going to say they're calling, they are calling for his head in Jacksonville. They, they did. And the owner had said this season, the play or a, a winning season is a reasonable expectation for the Jaguars. And it should be. I think that team should be. Anyway, that is the recap for week two. It was a very interesting week, but now it's time to dive into the reason we're all here, ladies and gentlemen. The Los Angeles Rams won their first Woo! game. Let's dive in. <laughs> Ram it. All right, how about a weekly dose of uh, strange news? Guys, if you, got, if you got to the airport and you missed your flight, what would you do? 
I mean, like, realistically, how would you tackle the situation? I'd flip out. I hate airports. I was going to say, I was going to say cry because that's just, that's just a lot of work. How much would you flip out? I mean, I think I'd, I'd, I'd politely uh, say shitty remarks to the airline, you know, well, teller that was there. Well, the real question is, is it your fault or is it their fault? Yeah, that's very true. Well, in this case, it sounds like it's the fault of the people who didn't get to the airport on time. This, this comes to us from Beijing, China. Um, oh a couple uh, who missed their flight. They went all Tiananmen Square on everyone and ran out onto the tarmac and stood in front of the wheels of the plane. Oh, my goodness. Of of the flight that was taking off from Beijing to Shanghai. Uh, There are photos photos of the woman and her husband standing underneath the plane. Um, uh, It was a 9.30 flight. Uh, They ignored warnings from the ground crew and just ran right out there. They delayed the flight about 20 minutes before they were they were arrested. My question in all of this is how in the fuck did they get out there in the first place? If you tried to do that here in the United States, you would be tackled by 16 TSA agents. You would be so fast. So fucking fast. How did they get not just like through the door, which I'm sure said don't fucking come through here and probably set off an alarm when they went through it. But no, they made it all the way down. I'm guessing a couple of levels because most airports are up, not right on the fucking ground. And they made it all the way out of the goddamn tarmac and were able to stand in front of the plane. Like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. I I imagine there was a case of two people, two people, correct? Yeah, man and wife. Two people who probably weren't frequent flyers, who had, for whatever reason, the most dire need to get on that plane for a wedding, for an engagement, their first time flying potentially, and they missed their plane. I am sure that that would just inspire panic in the most novice of flyer, and I would assume that applies to I'll this tell you, situation. This is, this is the type of situation where I think it's okay for you to kill someone, because if you're sitting on that plane... And that idiot runs oh out in God. front of you. There is nothing worse than just sitting in an airplane seat on the tarmac, not moving. You have no idea why. You can't see anything. They never explain anything to you. It'll be about 30 minutes till we get the paperwork done. That's when you should be able to leave the plane, see what the problem is, and just shoot him in the face. Move along. Like, we, you, you're doing nothing for me. You're costing all of us time and money. Get out of my way. And the kicker here is uh, is that, and this, is, this comes to us from the, the uh, UK paper, The Sun, the kicker is that the woman, as while the, uh, they were waiting for airport police to show up and arrest them, was begging the officials to let her and her husband on the plane as if after all of that, they were actually going to be so able to board is, their flight to Shanghai. This has to be led by her then. This is an operation led by her. This so this is, husband has to be the most whip man because you know he didn't want to do this. You know he was just like the wife's, I'm going out there. And this he's goes, like, well, all right. This goes way beyond getting dragged into a Victoria's Secret and seeing that guy who just looks miserable because he's been in there for a half an hour and his girlfriend can't pick out what fucking bra she wants. <laughs> I'm imagining like a 40-year-old man and a 40-year-old woman. Oh, you know? poor guy. I feel bad Late for the 40s, guy Late 40s. Oh man, I could see it. All right, thank you for our that, there's weird your news weekly of the dose. Week. There's your weekly dose of strange news. Awesome, good work. So week two is over. A lot of divisional matchups to talk about this week. One of which, of course, are Los Angeles Rams facing off against the Seattle Seahawks in the first regular season game, I believe, in 22 years wow. at the Los Angeles uh, Memorial Coliseum. And the Rams eke out a win on the leg of Greg Zerline. How about a nine-three? <laughs> 
victory and a decent showing by the Rams defense, I think, this weekend. Lots for us to cover here on the Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Brian Balzarini, I'm Matt D'Angelo-Antonio, and uh, we are learning here to be Rams fans. And We're two weeks into this process. Brian, what do you like about the Rams so far? What? Give me a couple of reasons why you're becoming a Rams fan. Having a win is, a, is really nice at home beginning of the season gives you hope gave the fans who came out there 91,000 a record to come out and watch a good win that's awesome I think that shows an inspired team that shows a team that wants to play and it helps Jeff Fisher out a lot because with his name being synonymous with worst coach currently in the NFL there is a point at which you as an owner have to say, am I better off with another coach this early on in the process? Uh, and he comes out and he ekes out a win against a good Seattle Seahawks team in the opener. No owner in, in the world wouldn't love that. It impresses me that there's a team that wants to come out and play for Jeff, Jeff Fisher and that coaching staff. That's really important. Rams still haven't scored a touchdown. They, uh, they again, field goals only on Sunday. Uh, in Case Keenum, 18 of 30 for 239 yards. Tony, what did you like that you saw out of the young quarterback here? I, I actually really liked the play calling for the young quarterback. The problem in the San Fran game was that I don't think he threw more than one pass over 15 yards in the air. In this game against Seattle, who has a much better defense than San Fran, he wasn't afraid to let it run deep. They let him air it out a little bit more this time around. What, whether, definitely. whether it was to Britt or Austin, they were trying to find people deep because, again, that keeps a defense honest. And that, in especially in the second half, gave Gurley more options to run the ball, more holes to, and that's when the offense is clicking. When Gurley can go on first down, make it a short yardage third down, like that's where this offense needs to be because they don't have the burner. They don't have the stellar wideout that they're going to be able to throw the ball up to to make a play. But they have to be able to find wrinkles in the defense and find the open areas and be able to let Case rip it out. And I think he did that. And also, the defensive line, man, wow. Like, Seattle could do nothing running the ball. They ate Russell Wilson up. Like Their offensive line is terrible. True. Ever since, ever since they shipped Max Unger off to Chicago, I believe? New Orleans. New Orleans, I'm sorry. Ever since they shipped Max Unger off, their old center, their offensive line has been atrocious. And, and, and Aaron... And- Oh, sorry. Aaron Donald, the gorilla, was fighting through a double team every time, and he did it. I've never seen a big man use his hands better than Aaron Donald. He ripped apart the guard-tackle combos they were throwing at him. It didn't matter, and he created mismatches all over the place. That defense looked solid. And and Ogletree looked great. Ogletree was sideline to sideline, eating people up. So kudos to that linebacking core because I believe it linebacking was Singletary. Core, it's just it's just Ogletree most of the time. But but Singletary got the game ball for a good reason because that linebacking core decided they weren't going to allow the Seahawks to do that mid range BS they love to do because they don't have a real honest deep threat. So kudos to the LA Rams defense. Ogletree had nine tackles on Sunday. Eight of them were solo tackles. Just one of them for a loss. But he was the only uh, member of the front seven that was in the top five of the Rams tacklers, uh, Mark Barron, uh, Tremaine Johnson, and LaMarcus Joyner, and Will- and William Hayes rounding out the top five. But the only member of the front seven in there is Alec Ogletree, and he really has to be the leader of this defense. I mean, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, I'm sure, is the the skill leader of the defense. He's easily the most talented guy out there on the field on that side of the, of the ball. But it has to be Ogletree because he's the play caller. He's 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 a smart guy. I've been you know, trying to watch some more interviews with him, and he's he's one of the brightest guys on their defense. Just the way he talks, the way he he talks about the game. He's an intelligent dude, and I think the guys in the locker room seem to to look up to him, and they need that, especially when I, I mean I don't know, you know, maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm not in that locker room, but 
I'm seriously concerned about how much that team actually wants to play for Jeff Fisher That's and how much question. they really want to. I mean, and let me pose it to you then. How do you think this team? Do you think there's discord in the locker room? Do you think that they? Do you think this team wants to play for Jeff Fisher? They're think, talking about a contract extension for this guy. I mean, I think it might be uh, too early to talk about whether this team wants to play for it, but I know that the the end of game one showed a lot of discourse among the team on the field with Aaron Donald getting thrown out of the game and just a lot of heavy heads on that team just thinking I have to do 16 more weeks of this as Brian said last week and Jeff Fisher got what he always gets he got the win when he needed to Jeff Fisher if he's if he's under 500 he wins a game if he's over 500 he loses a game that's a Jeff Fisher but way. is that good enough in a market no. like Los Angeles you can get away with that maybe with a football team in St. Louis but when you're playing in the number two media market in the United States and just one of the biggest sports markets and especially returning a city to having four four teams in the major the big four that's not good enough in my opinion but keep on, you know, temper expectations to to a certain degree because think about this: division play matters, and what you saw was an L.A. Rams team that was built by Jeff Fisher to beat the Seattle Seahawks. Seriously, they 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 have their That's ticket. That's a good point. So so keep in mind that Jeff Fisher, the reason why he was able to rally his troops was because they believed in the game plan. They saw a win uh, in their sights and were and and they were able to execute. So keep in mind that that team is built to be a team like Seattle. Now, the question really is, can they turn around and right the ship with San Fran and go and beat Arizona, a, a team that is built to beat Tampa. them? It's Tampa. No, Arizona. I'm talking about in the division. Oh, oh I, hear you. I see. Okay. So I'm, we're talking about the long haul here. That makes so, sense. So the question really is, does Jeff Fisher have this team week in and week out believing in the game plan when that team is, I think, built to do fairly well in this division? So that's, again, but that's how Jeff Fisher gets eight and eight seasons. This is how Jeff Fisher gets halfway through a season. So, so is it going to be any different is the real question. I will say real fast that one of my drawbacks from that game, and this is a Jeff Fisher staple as well, too many flags. There were so many flags on that team for everything Discipline's under the sun. An issue. And that's going to be a Jeff Fisher staple and something that I'd like to see change. But I don't think that necessarily means that they're not willing to play for him. I think this team does get riled up for Jeff. I might not agree with he's a good coach, but I think he still has the team under his wing. You mentioned execution, Brian, and I, I, I just hesitate to use that word necessarily to describe how the Rams played on Sunday because a 9-3 victory to me, despite what you know, despite anything else, that doesn't say execution to me, especially on the offensive end. That said, that, that says to me that they played better than the Seahawks for 60 minutes and just were barely able to get by. Execution, I think, and if you, I'm sure Jeff Fisher would say this if you ask. There are a lot of things they didn't execute well on. There were balls that were overthrown. Tavon Austin's still not playing like a 42 million dollar receiver, and Absolutely he's not returning. Not. He's not. He's he's a punt. He's a, he was brought in. He's a special teams guy. He's he's not returning. But I think I read something like he had three returns for like. 15 yards sure it's not it's not good but it's okay against a team like seattle who is stout against the run who has a good defense who allowed the rams to at least move the ball case keenum got the game ball he did okay he did his job so and that's against a legion of boom remember that so yeah, that's very true i don't so, think this is the legion of boom of years past though at least not the way that they've played the first couple of games i mean you know, they that defense they though that defense though has it has not created the turnovers it usually creates but it does look soft they'll be fine but i mean they kept him to nine points but it was the three points on the other side of the of the aisle that really was astonishing and that should make you feel good about being a rams fan because one, that that's that's key one thing that doesn't make me feel good about being a rams fan especially as one who might potentially go to a game at 
some point now this year. Can. Now that we actually can, because we have a football team, is apparently the fan experience at this weekend's game at the LA Memorial Coliseum was just a nightmare. It was terrible. They ran out of water. People were suffering from heat stroke. I uh, There was a Deadspin article that I was reading that had said, and I, there were videos of people fighting out in the parking lot after the game. People apparently got into you know a line to get into the stadium half an hour before the game started, wait, or rather and waited in line for half an hour, and then they were told they were in the wrong line, had to go to a different part of the, st- you know, part of the stadium to get in. This is not how you want to introduce fans to Rams football for the first game back back in back in town. The the, the concession stand staff was apparently very inefficient, and needed more training and oversight. You can't be making these kind of mistakes in a place like Los Angeles. Uh, what my father would say to that is that those are the pink hat fan problems because my father's been going to New England Patriots fans for most of his life, and he knows to get there an hour beforehand or to get to the parking lot seven hours beforehand so we can. Oh drink. God, Gillette's a but, mess. But get get in the get in the stadium an hour beforehand. Tuck a water into your pocket. Make sure it doesn't leave you. Like he knows how to run these things. But I fully agree. I don't think that Coliseum's ready to have that many fans at once. Those concourses are supposed to be packed to the gills like that's trouble and who runs out of water that's astonishing that's astonishing i mean you could just you could just put jugs of water from the tap i'm sorry yeah there's nobody a sink, right? nobody would nobody would either say something or know the difference because you get tap water at restaurants all the time around here so no surprise there i actually saw a video on instagram of a father screaming as two fans fought as he's and as they're fighting he's screaming and yelling uh telling you know trying to get security to help his son while the two fight you know on top of him so it was a uh it was an interesting, interesting first go around. For like that they team. supposedly ran out of lids at the game uh, shop store. You know, yeah, they ran out of first material. problems. I'm just saying, like you guys got to be prepared for this first game of the season. You can't run out of these things. That's that's on you. Well, water's a safety hazard no. too. Now, well, and and you know, again, if they don't start winning and if they don't clean up these the fan experience at at the Coliseum, uh, you know, at least Empty. until they at least until they get uh, Inglewood built, it's going to be a problem. So this that this, so. But I will say real fast that I, this Sunday, was at a baby shower. I don't know who organizes a baby shower for Sunday, but that's where I was at, a co-ed baby shower. And I will say at the end of this Rams game, I had the whole, not me personally, but the whole entire baby shower, mostly ladies, were around the TV watching the Rams finish this job. So we may not be winning or may not be moving forward, but I'm thinking people are starting to care even a little bit about this. They were talking about how they want to go tailgating to the game, all this stuff. The Rams are making a, an impact here in L.A., and I was very happy to see that. Well, we'll have to see what happens going forward in terms of the fan experience. Going forward with the Rams, we know what's going to happen, at least in terms of who they're playing. We move on to week three and taking a look at who the Rams match up against. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers they're playing in Tampa at Ray J, Raymond James Stadium. Uh, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers currently uh, have have the uh, have the edge on the line. They're favored to win by five. Against uh, against Los Angeles, That's the a big ESPN line. the ESPN Football Power Index has Tampa seventy two point one percent chance of winning that game, which I think is giving them a little bit more credit considering how badly they got spanked last week uh, by the team that they played. I mean, Arizona was going to come out. <laughs> Arizona was going to come out with their hats on fire Mean. after losing that New England game. They but were Tampa really Bay, angry, and Jameis in particular looked. Really bad guys. He like, did. He didn't look good. I think he had uh, six turnovers. I believe it was. Yeah, that's a, that's a and, terrible, um, terrible game. Really, just two of them weren't his fault. It was. Kid it Dennis. was, and and it's appropriate since it's his second year in the league. It was sophomoric. It was a, <laughs> it was a sophomoric outing. It really was. He looked like 
He didn't look like the poised stalwart Jameis Winston that I've seen command the pocket and make veteran throws in the past. This was the jumping up on a table in the middle of a squad screaming or in the quad screaming effer in the pussy and and stealing crab legs from a pub a Publix. That's the Jameis Winston that played this game on. Also that's true, but without uh that team's gonna be without Doug Martin this week. And Charles Sims may be a very shifty back, but he's not the back that Doug Martin is. So Jameis is gonna have to win this game. It's gonna be on Jameis Winston. And I misspoke. That was four interceptions he threw okay so, still, 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 nonetheless still not great detrimental still not great so so uh tony i'll start with you what are you looking for out of besides a touchdown what are you looking for this week out of the rams listen i'm looking for the rams to make Jameis move his feet i'm looking for the rams to break up that offensive line and get in Jameis's face because that's how they're going to have to stop this offense those wide receivers on the outside are better than any corner we have to offer but if they can get Jameis to make mistakes which he's prone to making then i think they have a chance to win this game on the offensive side they just need to get Gurley going early because if they're going to stretch the field with those 15, 20-yard throws, that means there's going to be less people in the box and Gurley needs to make a game-changing play for them to get that touchdown. He's been sluggish in these last couple of games. Hopefully he'll be able to get to a fa- out to a faster start than we've seen him get out to in weeks one and two. Brian, what are you looking for this coming week? I'm going to see if that defensive line, like Tony said, can get the pressure it got uh, on Russell Wilson. Um, I think you're also going to have to see if I'm looking at the safety work this week. It's going to be the, the 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 two positions that I'm going to check out: the free safety and the strong safety. Can Mark Barron come down in the box and stop the run? He led the team in tackles this past he week. He looked amazing. Recall, he is a former Buccaneers first overall pick. Oh, he's going to be hyped. So it's going to be fun to watch them play and run around the field and give support to an already decent linebacking core with Ogletree like we've talked about and that amazing defensive line if they can start there then the offense can get hyped that then they they don't feel like they've got to carry the, the load on their shoulders they can feel good knowing that their kickers got their back they can win games with field goals and just be efficient and that's when you start letting go and getting a little bit looser and nailing 14 points here 10 points there so i i'm looking for them to the heart and soul to be from the defense and then the offense very quickly before we move on to our week three p- preview uh, a one word answer and then a one sentence explanation uh should jeff fisher be worried about his job right now not right now, but give me give me eight weeks. Yes. One game does not make it better. Okay, a couple different perspectives on Fisher there. Then let's uh, go ahead and get our preview of the Rams game out of the way. We said Rams-Bucks uh, in Tampa Bay. Bucks favored by five. Brian, let me start with you. Who do you think wins? Unfortunately, I think, again, I have faith in Jameis Winston. I think Jameis is a good quarterback, young I think that's what we saw in the second game. I think he comes out. I think he bounces back. I still think he throws an interception or two, but I think he's going to put up four touchdowns. I think he's going to put up about 250 yards. Four touchdowns? Yes, because I think Jameis is capable capable of that with a Mike Evans. And um, and I, and they're a young team with a young coach, so they're gonna be all over the place a little bit early on. I expect them to come back and 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 play well, and unfortunately take it to the Rams. It'll be interesting to see what happens early in this game because I think that's gonna dictate the rest of the game. Both of these teams are young teams overall, so to come out on fire will change the game. I think Tampa Bay wins, but I think the Rams cover in a game that comes down to the wire about twenty three twenty Tampa Bay. 
I am going to go in a different, a slightly different direction. I think the Rams pull this one out. Uh, I, I think they come in riding high off of what was a defensive battle and a game that, you know, despite the fact that I, I do have my, my concerns about the team, I think they, they should feel proud about it. Tony, I know you'll appreciate this as former uh, Syracuse coach Don McPherson would say a win is a win is a win is a win very true and and i often spar with my dad over this uh this this phrase because i'll i'll throw it out there that you have to win ugly before you win pretty i think you have to win ugly before you win pretty you have to learn how to scrape by and get eke out those wins like they did defensively this past weekend so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with the rams it's gonna be close i think i'm gonna go I, i'd like to say this one's gonna be like a 21 14 finish but I, th- I agree with tony in that it is going to be the early game that determines how this turns out because neither of these teams is going to be one i don't think that gets out in front like 28 nothing in the first half and then forces uh, a comeback i think Jameis winston's still reeling from the loss last week as is the rest of tampa bay and the rams get to two and one and keep in mind it is in tampa so that's a West Coast team traveling to East Coast. I think that also plays a major factor. And can this young team travel well that far? All right, ahead, we'll take a look into week three of the rest of the NFL. But first, an injury report. All right, guys. So injury report starting off. Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's talk about that, Dangles. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, admittedly, nobody likes to see a situation like what happened on Sunday. It was an, an AC joint, I believe, a strained AC joint. Um, there's still no definitive word, as I understand it, on whether or not he's going to play uh, this coming Thursday or even whether he's going to dress. I expect him or I, ex- or I expect to find out a little more about that with the week going on. For now, it looks like the rookie Jacoby Brissett out of North Carolina State is going to start that game. And uh, being that the North Carolina State's in the ACC, and I've watched Syracuse football being a grad, I was, you know, I've been able to watch Jacoby Brissett play in a couple of games when he was in college. And the intangibles are there. He's smart. He understands how to, you know. He, I think he understands the playbook. He ran it okay last week. Um, he can run. He can move in the pocket. I really like his confidence. And this is a Bill Belichick team. I'm not that worried as a Patriots fan. With two games left until Brady comes back even, I think we can handle it with Jacoby Brissett. Jimmy Garoppolo, hopefully, you know, maybe he comes back next week. I expect we'll see Jacoby Brissett for two weeks. At the worst, they lose one game and they move into week five with Brady coming back at 3-1. and one. What makes me sad about the Garoppolo injury is the fact that the NFL lost one of its premier quarterbacks, young quarterbacks. 18, and one of its sexiest quarterbacks. 18 for 27, 234 yards, three touchdowns in less than a half. I would have taken that from Aaron Rodgers for a full game. Jimmy can throw. Fantasy owners are drooling over this guy. And speaking of the Green Bay Packers, we have an injury with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The Adrian Peterson um, injury was reported to be a torn meniscus. They're expecting him to potentially be out three to four games, um, but hopefully a return in week seven or so uh, after their bye. Here's the thing about uh, Adrian losing. Adrian has not performed well these first two weeks, but I think this injury really, really hurts Minnesota because as Green Bay did, they stuffed the box and they say Adrian's not going to beat us, and we played really well against the run, and it allowed Sam to throw it over the top of our heads to goddamn Stefan Diggs. But if you're running Jarek McKinnon and Matt Asiata back there, they're not worried about the run game. And they're going to make Sam beat us. And that's when Sam runs into trouble. So I'd be worried if I was Minnesota about this injury. Well, and lastly, we have a big bit of news coming out of the locker room of the Chicago Bears. Apparently, Jay Cutler could potentially be out for a couple weeks with a undisclosed 
thumb injury. They believe, however, they're speculating that he is dealing with a sprained ulnar collateral ligament and is throwing him. Uh, remind uh, our, our listeners that he also fractured uh, his thumb in 2011, which also caused issues. Um, but apparently he's been walking around the, the facilities with a cast. And a pouty face. And a pouty face. And a cigarette in his mouth Listen, as well. Jay, Jay Cutler sucks. Uh, I, I was in on the Chicago bandwagon. So Jay Cutler sucks. Uh, I honestly think they'll be better with Brian Hoy back there. And Jay Cutler is one of the weakest-minded quarterbacks out there. When something goes wrong, he's out. I guarantee you if this thumb injury was to a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger's playing the full game next week. And a quick shout-out to my friend Pat Cavanaugh, who shot me an awesome text message last night in which he said, does Jay Cutler ever step up into the pocket? He seems to be throwing off his back foot every time. Now, I understand that there are concerns for that offensive line, but come on, step up, throw the ball. And the one time he did... He stepped up into a de- defensive lineman in which he fumbled the ball after he got sacked. So, quintessential Jay Cutler. I mean, I'll personally, I'll take a healthy Brian Hoyer over a healthy Jay Cutler any day of the week. Enough said. <laughs> All right, kiddos. Uh, we're now into the schedule for next week. So, let's rock and roll. All right, guys. One week in the books here, and we have a record total on picks from last week. Care to hear them? I think I did well. You did. You did well. You did well. Um, to start us off, in third place, we've got Dangles at 8 and 7. Ah, the old Jeff Fisher record. <laughs> <laughs> just one more loss, and I can continue to be just mediocre enough to keep a job in the NFL, but not quite good enough to get a job with an actual team that contends. And in second place, we've got Tony at 10 and 5. I'll take that. I'll take that. A couple of easy losses that I should have switched around, but that's all right. Oh, that'll get you a wild card spot. And uh, up front is, well... By default, me. Oh, well, what was your record, there, and Mr. Four. Modest? Eleven and four. I'm pretty proud. I I think Not my bad. bread and bu- my bread and butter was the uh, Green Bay uh, Vikings. You picked game. Minnesota to win that. I game. I picked Minnesota, and I felt very confident about it, and they did, and they didn't disappoint. So right, great. Can we move on? Absolutely. So next week's schedule Thursday night we've got. The Texans at your New England Patriots, Dangles. What do you think? I think the one uh, X factor here is how well the offensive line protects Jacoby Brissett in this game. Because if they allow J.J. Watt and uh, Jadavian Clowney and Whitney Merciless and and the rest of that Texans front seven to get in and pressure him, I think the rookie is going to come out in him and I think we're going to see him struggle. So the Patriots win that game if and only if the offensive line steps up. Everything else is going to be fine. And God forbid Jacoby Brissett goes down. We have no choice but to turn to Julian Edelman, which I actually sort of want to see. Is that bad? I would love to see that. I uh, I think New England wins as well. Uh, Houston's defense is good, but why why go against Belichick? If uh, Michael Irvin had a great tweet or comment, if uh, he had a picture of him with his three Lombardi trophies, and he said if the New England Patriots wins this week, I'm going to take the Lombardi off these trophies and put Belichick on there. And I agree with you. I want to see what the game plan is. Go New England. Enough said. Although I do believe it will be a nice attempt by that team. I think the Texans are are in a prime position, if anybody is in this season, to beat the New England Patriots. It's going to be a great game. So it'll be fun to watch. Next, we have on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. My Detroit Lions 
at your Green Bay Packers. Hey, man, this game last year actually brought us together. We were watching this game at whatever sports bar it was at. It was the Thursday night game. And it was in Detroit. It was in Detroit. Detroit. Green Bay at Detroit. And uh, I remember that game because I was with all Detroit Lions fans, and that game was terrible for the first three quarters. We came out rolling. We were playing terrible. Our offense looked terrible. The night was going so bad for me, I spilt a beer over the waitress. Like, that's how bad the night was going for me. But as we remember, somehow, some way. The football gods looked down on us and said, Aaron, you're going to throw this ball 70 yards in the air, and Richard Rodgers, you're going to come down with it with four Detroit Lions players around you. And I remember taking laps around that bar in just so joyful, and so I, joyful. And in perfect Lions fan fashion, the rest of us just sat shaking our heads, muttering to ourselves, dumbfounded. same old Lions. Yeah. Same old Lions. So... Who do you got this week? I got a year later. What do we got? Listen, I, again, I talked about Green Bay earlier. Those problems are still there, but Detroit is not the uh, show-stopping team. I think it's a very high-scoring game, but I think Green Bay wins. All right. I think uh, I think Green Bay wins as well. The spread's eight tone on the uh, Green Bay Lions game f- in favor of the Packers. That's too much. That's too much. Uh, That's far I too would, much. I Detroit's got a better much. offense than people think. The spread the spread is eight going into the game. I think Green Bay wins this. I think they're very unhappy about the way that they lost that game to the Minnesota Vikings. And there's nothing. Well, there's almost nothing that I w- wouldn't rather face than an angry Aaron Rodgers coming into. I a hope week he's angry. Me. I would love to see an angry Aaron Rodgers. I need an Aaron Rodgers that isn't this complacent motherfucker. That we've been seeing. I need the not the State Farm Aaron Rodgers. I need the Super Bowl winning Aaron Rodgers. I think Super Bowl. Up. I think Super Bowl winning Aaron Rodgers shows up, and I think they probably win by at least ten. Ooh, that's a bit tough. I, you know, honestly though, it, in and I watched the game from start to finish. The one issue that the Lions have right now, and they're facing it, and I said it in the early uh, onset of the season, it's going to be their issue, is they do not have a lot of depth. They had a lot of injuries. They had five starters go down in that game. Uh, one right after another, Ezekiel Anza being one of them. So um, I think you're looking at a team that struggles from last week with injuries, and unfortunately, we do not do well in Green Bay. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of points, uh, and you, and one thing you can always count on Aaron Rodgers is he doesn't lose back-to-back week weeks. He he's That's the sign of a champion. So I'm also, um, unfortunately, picking the Green Bay Packers. All right, next we have the Ravens and the Jaguars. Ravens at the Jaguars. Tone? That'll be fun. Uh, I would love to see Jacksonville win this game, but I'm going with Baltimore. They've been able to beat these bad teams. I think Jacksonville gets their first win uh, in this game. Uh, I remember watching them in a Monday night game, one of the very few ones that they played. Uh, or maybe it was a Sunday night game. I can't remember exactly, but it was at Everbank Field, and they got a really gritty 17 to 13 win. This was back in 2013, and and they play well against the Ravens. I don't know why, I don't know how, but I think this is the game where they finally step up. Yep, and I think they're a young team that'll step up and um, prove their worth in this uh, home home field advantage. I'm going with the Jaguars as well. All right, next we have the Redskins at the Giants. Uh, Dangles, what do you feel about that? I think the Giants win again. Uh, Kirk Cousins does not instill confidence in me as a quarterback. He's not, I mean, I uh, no, Kirk, I do not like that, unfortunately. I do not like what <laughs> I've seen out of you out of the first two weeks. Poor uh, Kirk. He's looked, he's looked, just, he's just looked uncomfortable. Like, he's never been in this sort of a situation before. Like, it's his first year out of Michigan State. Come on, man, step up. You led your team to the playoffs last year. Bad news in Washington. Giants go to 0-3. 
Uh, Giants go to three and zero. You mean? I'm and sorry. I, yes, the Giants go to three and zero. Yes. I sadly agree with you. My season over under bet. I only make three of these. One of these was the Giants at under eight and a half wins, and I'm afraid I'm going to lose so much money. I think on you're going to lose that bet. Truly, uh, honestly, I Giants. Think- Giants win this game. Washington and Kirk Cousins looks terrible. And you know what? One thing I want to point out is that's what Kirk Cousins does. Unfortunately, I don't think he's any better than a mid-tier quarterback who just barely wins games. I'm with the Giants as well. All right, next we have the Browns at the Dolphins. What a burn burner. Hey, the Dolphins came back and played New England really tough once Jimmy went down. They can score points. I think they win this game. I think they do as well. Cleveland hasn't shown me anything other than that they can get out to a little bit of a hot start, and then they just cough it up as the quarters go on and the time ticks down. I think Miami wins this game by another 10 points. I think Miami wins well, and if you haven't, seen it or you do have the time I would look at the press conference that Luke McCown gave in which he gave a very impassioned speech as to why he's going to come out and play it's really impressive so kudos to him and hopefully he can help turn that team around he's still going to lose full of full of positivity all right next we have the Vikings at the Panthers oh this is going to be a good one I might have uh, to record that one I think if Adrian Peterson does not play which it not look it does not look like he will I think Carolina wins that game they have what right now they've their offense has scored more points than anybody else in the NFL it'll be a fun matchup to see it against that defense though Carolina wins I think even if Adrian Peterson does play and even if Adrian Peterson were at 100% I think Carolina still wins that game Luke Keekley and company are going to stuff him he's run for 50 yards on 31 carries so far this year that is not uh, Adrian Peterson like that are those are not the type of numbers that he normally puts up I think the Panthers win easily Cam Newton is a great home field uh, uh, leader I think he's going to come out with the victory um, and big play next we have the Broncos at the Bengals Dangles tell me about what you think about I like Cincinnati in this one Uh, I think that if there's somebody equipped to handle the kind of pressure that Andy uh, that that the Broncos defense is going to bring it's Andy Dalton. I love the poise that he has in the in the pocket as a young quarterback. The problem, I think, is going to be whether, and the problem has been the fact that he has weapons. He's got a bunch of yards this, or he does, yeah, he doesn't have weapons. He's got a bunch of yards this year, but like two touchdowns. Leads the league in passing in yards. Passing yards. He's got two touchdowns so far. That says to me that he doesn't have guys who can close for him, who can finish, who can get into the end zone. A.J. Green hasn't been doing it a lot this year. So I think the Bengals win and the Broncos lose their first of the season. I uh, I have to say the Bengals win as well. Uh, Denver, this is going to be a real trust for Seaman, Simeon, however you say his name. Um, Simeon. Because that Cincy defense plays really well. They played Pittsburgh, which is a great offense, really well. It was tough on them to lose that game. I think Cincy comes out and wins. It'll be a tight one, though. It'll be fun to watch. I'm actually going to pull the Broncos here. And I still stand by the fact that Trevor Simeon has shown me everything I need to know about why that team is going to win the AFC West. Uh, next, we have the Cardinals at the Bills. Oh, that's easy. Arizona wins. The Bills are done. The Bills are done. Yeah, no, I agree. Arizona wins that game as well. All right, we're all on top of that one. Next, we have the Raiders at the Titans. Maybe not such a close one here. No, I'm going to go with Oakland in this one, though. Tennessee hasn't proven to me, especially not Marcus Marietta. And I know this because I've got him on my fantasy team, and he has just been just he, he's awful he's coughing up footballs he's not finding his receivers granted he doesn't have too much to throw to down there uh, DeMarco Murray hasn't had a stellar season so far he had a couple of good runs he ripped off a couple uh, of okay runs on on this past Sunday but I, I don't think that they beat I don't think that they beat the Oakland Raiders I think Oakland comes out wins here's the thing about Oakland the only way they win football games it seems is if they score 35 or more points are they going to be able to do that against Tennessee their defense has been horrendous 
has been absolutely terrible. Derek Carr has yet to turn the ball over this year. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have nothing against the offense. I think that offense is fire. But the question is, can they score 42 every week? I uh, where is this game against Brian? the Titans? This I don't think th- I don't think they need to against the Titans at Tennessee. I'm going to take Tennessee. I until Oakland can play defense, I'm going to take Tennessee. I Tennessee wa- showed some grit in that Detroit game. They really did. They did. No, they sh- they they did a really good job coming back. But the one thing about the Titans is when I've watched them for the four quarters got, uh, against the Lions, the thing that kept popping in into my head when I was watching Marcus Mariota is he does not look comfortable. He was missing players by two to three yards. He was he was. You know, throwing it into the dirt, so it was noticeable how poor his arm was, and to me, that does not bode well uh, against a team with Khalil Mack. Um, the Lions didn't have a pass rush; the Raiders do. I think the Raiders go in and uh, take out Mar- Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Uh, next, we have the 49ers at the Seahawks. Oh, that's going to be fun. 49ers have looked better than I think any one of us has thought. Astonished. Seattle needs to win this game. Um, Seattle needs to right the ship. It's at home. I think Seattle does it. I'm going with uh, with the Seahawks. I'm going to pick the 49ers. I like the hot streak Whoa. that they're at. I know. I know. It's crazy. But, hey, look, if they can, if the Seahawks can lose to the Rams by field goals and field goals only, I, it, it, Blaine Gabbard has been playing much better football than I Case Keenum that. has through the, first, for the, through the first two games of the, th- of the season. I think there's no reason to doubt that the 49ers will have an okay game. Quinton Patton. A good Ooh, young receiver, yes. a Patton. decent pickup too on your Illinois, fantasy team. I I, no? I I can't quote. I can't Oklahoma I can't, State. I can't quote. Yeah, quote he, he went that, to college. He went to college. He he went to college. But I picked the 49ers. Nice, very nice. I appreciate the bold maneuver. Um, I I I, I love the idea of 49ers winning this game and what that would mean and say for Chip Kelly. Really, truly, honestly, would. But unfortunately, I can't I, stand him for the record. I, I, I'm not a huge fan, but I, I think that would be a statement statement win. Uh, next, we have the Steelers at the Eagles. Ooh, two two and oh teams going at it. Here we go. Battle for the state of Pennsylvania. Steelers at Eagles, man. I mean, the Eagles have looked good, but I, I think the Steelers might be the best team in the AFC. I agree. They might be the best team in the league. True. I'm I, going Pittsburgh. I agree. I think they're playing really hot football right now, and I think they're confident in themselves. Oh, I think they know how good they are, and Antonio Brown is is as good as he's ever been, and he's going to be even even better. I think he'll be in potential. He'll be potentially an MVP Chip consideration was. at the end of this season. Uh, they're going to beat him. I think the Steelers go in, play well, win like they always do. Next, we got the Jets at the Chiefs. Ooh, that might be a good game. Chiefs need to prove if they're in a, if they're a wild card team or not. I'm gonna go with the Jets though. I think the Jets did really well against Bills to give up two uh, passing touchdowns of 84 and 70 plus yards. That can def- that can defeat you for the game. That can end your game. That's a big changer. And they were like, we got it, took it on the chin, and still came down and ripped apart that Buffalo defense. Jets are for real. I agree. I think the Jets win this one as well. Matt Forte had three touchdowns last week. Definitely speaking to how shoddy and unfortunate the Bills' red zone defense was. They let him punch in a couple of really short balls there. Now, Matt Forte is good off the line of scrimmage, but he's not a big bowling back. He's more of a he's more of a finesse guy, I think, than anything else, a cutback sort of dude. He, he was able to make a lot of hay with that defensive line. I think they do it again against a very anemic Kansas City team. But I think we can agree, all agree, that Revis Island is no more. No more. No more. More like a Revis, um, like I, 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 Atoll at this point. Someone tweeted last week that, or two weeks ago, that AJ Green was sipping my ties on Revis Island. It's now a vacation spot. They don't mind going there. But I'm also picking the Jets. Next, let's go to Chargers at Colts. 
San Diego Chargers, where have they come from? Who, what is this team? What happened? This team is supposed to be terrible. This team is supposed to be Crap moving out of San Diego. Two words. Philip Rivers. Seriously, he's throwing a no names again, like Philip Rivers. He's the most God underrated. Damn. He may be the. I, I read someone had tw- someone tweeted or wrote today that he may be the most underrated quarterback of his generation. He's certainly the most underrated quarterback in the NFL right now, doing more with less than I think any QB out there. Mister Bolotai, I gave you last week my over of the week, and I was right. I'm giving you the over again. Whatever the number is, take the over. Indian San Diego can't play defense. It's going to be a forty to forty game. I can't I can't not take San Diego. I'm sorry. No. San Diego for me too. Absolutely. And I and I don't think the Colts have much to be excited about. And Andrew Luck is um unfortunately this running team, for his life. This team could go two and fourteen. This, this year. The team's really bad. They're really bad. And I it's picked not them. Andrew I Luck's picked fault. them. I, they were my Mary in our first episode. That's I think the most embarrassing thing to date that I've done in this it's podcast not Andrew is Luck's pick fault. them is pick I them think, as my Mary for I think the, first the most one. embarrassing thing was you saying Chris Ivory led the league in rushing last year when he wasn't even close. <laughs> right. That's okay. Well, speaking of uh, uh bad teams, ne- next we have the Bears versus the Cowboys. Now this is Sunday night, right? Uh oh, Sunday yeah. night. How do the Bears get two primetime games in a row? How do the Bears? The Bears, we all, I was the only one. I was getting berated to is think that. Is that pre selected or is that? That's pre selected. The, the okay. flexible scheduling isn't until later in the season. Maybe in knew. Dallas. It doesn't matter. The Bears are playing. The Bears played Philly on Monday night. I wasn't. John Gruden was hitting his uh, his co announcer with pool noodles in the fourth quarter because they had nothing else to talk about in that game. The, the, the Bears are awful. I'm fully off the Bears bandwagon. I don't, I don't even remember who they're playing right now. Dallas? Dallas is going to win. Going to win. Dallas is definitely going to win, but and and I think Tony, that game is is a Sunday night game because it's in Dallas, not because the Bears are playing. Doesn't yes. matter anyone else. But I want to throw one quick thing out there too. Um, I still think Cowboys are going to win, but this is the type of game that reels us into the NFL every week. When you see a team like Chicago beat the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday it's night. It's a trap game. Because, exactly, and they step up when they matter most because that's unfortunately what Jay Cutler and the Chicago Bears do. They tease their organization and their fandom along, thinking that they can win games, close games against good teams. Cowboys have a rookie quarterback. They have a rookie runner. Now, granted, Alfred Morris played really well, but... This is the makings for one of those games where you just go, God damn it, that's why I love the NFL. So I'm still picking the Cowboys, but let's keep in mind that this is uh, any given Sunday kind of league. All right, last game of the week. Here we go. Big one. NFC South. Falcons at New Orleans. Yuck. Oh, no, no, don't say yuck. That's going to be an entertaining Monday night game. I think the Falcons and New Orleans have two of the best offenses in the league. New Orleans did not play well against New York, but Falcons and New Orleans can put up some points. Atlanta, uh, Matt Ryan led the uh, league in yards, I believe. And these two teams hate each other. This is a rivalry in the NFL. New Orleans and Atlanta punch each other in the mouth, but they're going to be big games. Julio Jones might go for a million yards. I'm slightly torn on this. I'm going to go with ATL. Okay. Mm. Well, that's good because I like New Orleans. Wow. All right, bold. What, Drew why, Brees, why, why New Orleans? Well, I think Drew Brees, Drew, this is a Drew Brees team. He's got to come out and get a win. He has such a high standard of perfection for himself. He holds himself to such a high standard. And 0-2 is not what he expected. It's not what Sean Payton expected. And I don't think it's what his offense expected. Now, they're not putting it on his shoulders, but Drew Brees is the leader of this team, and he has to come out and will them to a win against Atlanta on the national stage. Uh, you know, I'm actually going to be taking the Saints as well. Watch why Drew Brees is a Hall of quarterback and I believe nobody is more deadly at home in New Orleans on a Monday night 
than Drew Brees. Oh, he loves the prime time. He plays so well under the lights. So I'm, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. All right, all right. All right. Well, that wraps up our third edition here of the Left Coasters podcast. Once again, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Uh, you can search us at the Left Coasters podcast. You can also email us if there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, or even if you just got some feedback you want to share with us, the Left Coasters podcast at gmail.com. We will be back next week, hopefully talking about a Rams win in Tampa Bay. Yeah, buddy. I sadly will not be here. I'll be in Nashville, but we will have a lovely guest host for y'all. I can't wait for you guys to meet him. Special guest. Very excited about this. We'll have a special guest host. Until then, thank you for tuning in. For Tony Cavallo and Brian Balzarini, I'm Matt D'Angelo Antonio. Please join us next week, and thank you if you've already joined us for the weeks prior. We'll see you next week. Ram it. Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with breslow the business of sports betting podcast